0: Hello and welcome to Jetavanarama Buddhist Monastery. So we meet with the 12th episode of this series of talks titled Buddha's Guide to Happiness. And I hope that those of you who have come along on this journey this far beginning to get a proper sense of what happiness is all about. At least the happiness that you have been sold up until this day and you're beginning to realize that it's not all that it's stacked up to be. When we begin to realize this we begin to ask ourselves is there an alternative, is there a better way, surely there must be another way and that is where we are heading. But of course before we move on to greener pastures, I need for all of you to be fully aware, cognizant and I need for all of you to have fully comprehended the inherent flaw with the kind of happiness we have all our lives thus far sought and are today seeking as yet. Because it is once we understand this, we look for an alternative, we look for another way. Over the past weeks and I think what is now over two months we have been on a journey of discovery, questioning some of the most fundamental ideas and concepts and principles that we have learned to accept at face value without any question up until now. And through our questioning, on our journey of discovery, we have given ourselves food for thought, to begin to reconsider life as it seems. One thing one of my teachers taught me, and it has served me very well throughout my life, and that is to always remain a student of life. Because it is understanding life, what life is all about. Isn't that true? If someone were to ask you, what is life? Would it not be true if your answer were to be, life is the understanding of life itself. The journey to understand it, the effort, the activity, the enterprise, the endeavors that we make to understand life itself. And that is what we are attempting to do and achieve through these talks and along the way make sense of life in a way that it is worth living. So on that journey, let us take another step forward today. Before we do so, Let us take a moment to pay veneration to the perfect one, the magnificent one, the unparalleled one, the omniscient one, he who is our teacher, he who travelled this journey all by himself once, long time ago, without any guidance, without any teacher, without any instruction. On his own, he uncovered. The truth that we speak so freely and so openly today. And that is none other than the Lord Buddha. Namo tasse bhagavato arhato samma sambuddhasse. Namo tasse bhagavato arhato samma Namothasa bhagavato arahato sama Sambudhas. You'll recall that over the last couple of weeks or so, we spent some time understanding the reality of pleasure. It is the truth that we need to realize, nothing else. You see, after all, that is what Buddhist philosophy is for. It is to realize the truth. So much so that at some point it will dawn on you that there is really nothing else we need to do. Buddhist philosophy, the Buddha's teaching, the Buddha's instruction, his guidance, is all about realizing the truth. You don't really need to do anything else. You just need to realize the truth. And to realize the truth requires nothing other than of course some merit because it is what enables you to open your eyes metaphorically and see things as they are and guidance and some instruction as to how to see things as they really are. So a bit of merit and some instruction. Once you realize the truth Then from there on, it is a case of living that truth and making it true for yourselves. So that will require some time and continued practice. What is this practice? The practice is simply to see things as they are. All will come clear as we make further steps forward on this journey. So you needn't worry if some of this might sound a little bit abstract just now. That's all right. So we started to discuss the concept of pleasure and also the idea that pleasure is the result of a process and that process is that of relief from vexation. I think by now you know what it means to be vexed. It is something that we all have experienced in our lives. We can feel it. We can experience it. It is this feeling of unsatisfactoriness, the feeling that something's not quite right. It's the driving force, if you like, that pushes human beings and other sentient beings towards action, particularly in the pursuit of happiness. We discussed a number of examples. You may remember them in our previous talks. A multitude of examples. And all this for one purpose. That is to understand that happiness that which we seek throughout our lives and that is the primary objective of life itself to achieve happiness and to remain happy this happiness is not something that comes to us from the outside world so through numerous examples we have discussed this and i have also asked you to come up with your own examples either to try and prove this concept or to try and disprove this concept because either way You will realize that this is the truth. So I feel unashamed and unafraid to go as far as challenging you to disprove this idea, if at all possible. That pleasure does not come to us from the outside world. By outside world, I mean the objects that we see around us, people, events, and so on. Pleasure is not something that we achieve from the outside world. It's not something that we can import or even extract from the outside world. It is the product of relief from vexation and that is a process. This process happens in the mind. But when the mind is not aware of this, when the mind is not knowledgeable about this, as has been for all of us up until now, up until we come across the truth which is what you are able to listen to and this is what you hear today and once we understand this then all comes clear but until that point, it is our false belief, this misconception that pleasure comes to us from the outside world that keeps us on our feet that pushes us to exert ourselves in ways which are futile because you see and now you must be able to see this if happiness is what we seek and yet happiness is not something we get from the outside world then we should begin to ask ourselves to what end To what avail are all these people, ourselves included, struggling for? All our lives we have strived for it. Think about all the things we have gotten up to. There have been to no avail. Because what we sought from life, from the sights that we saw, the sounds that we listened to, the smells, the tastes, and the physical experiences that we sought, none of these things really brought us any happiness. So this really challenges our outlook on life. It prompts us to take a different approach, doesn't it? It prompts us to reconsider how we deal with the remainder of life. It matters not what age you are, whether you are a child, a teenager, an adolescent, an adult, or in your senile age. Matters not. If at some point in your life you begin to understand and realize this truth, then you will feel the urge, as it did for me once, and I'm I'm sure it will do for all of you at some point you'll feel the urge to reconsider your plan for life. Because once you know that the path you're on is not going to get you where you want to go, and it's not going to get you what you want to achieve, then you'll realize that it's time to make some changes. And I hope that day is near for you, If it hasn't already come to you. I don't mean you need to go forth and get into robes or the like. But at least if you begin to make some different choices in your life. I think life will be simpler. Life will be easier on you. Life will not be so taxing on you. Because you seem to get up to all sorts of things a lot of trouble, a lot of effort for this one thing, and that one thing is happiness. Through these words, I hope, you'll realize and you will be able to achieve a level of wisdom which will help you understand that you don't need to get up to so much, you don't need to exert yourself so much you don't need to trouble yourself so much in the name of happiness. Now at the same time it's important for us to understand that what this does not mean is that once you understand this then you'll just give up on everything and just live a very lackadaisical life. Just don't care about anything. Oh it's no point. I don't need to strive anymore. I don't need to make effort anymore. So, I'll just go and sleep all day? No, do you see me doing that? What am I here doing? What am I trying to do here? What I have understood, I have made it my life's endeavor, my life's ambition to share with others so that they may be able to achieve happiness for themselves. That has been my ambition ever since I got to realize the truth. And I want the same. You don't have to be a member of the clergy for that. You can be a layperson just as you are. What matters is that you speak the truth from there on. So once you understand that this beauty, we have used beauty to refer to pleasure in all sorts of different things. So we have used it as a very generic term for pleasure that we have sought through our eyes, ears, tongue, nose and body. This beauty that we have sought all our lives, when we realize that it is not in the outside world objects, it's not in the people that we associate and it's not in the events. And then you realize that to expect pleasure from these things is like trying to get water, from a stone, it's meaningless, it's pointless, it's futile, it's never going to be of any value, then once you realize that, your life becomes much simpler, easier. You can relax more, and you can simply be happier. So once you realize this, you will also want to share this idea, with others, people you care about, people you want to be happy. Think about all the people that you live with, members of your family, your friends, your colleagues. Just take a moment to think about what they might be up to right now. If you're listening to this on a Sunday, well, you've got a working week just around the corner, haven't you? So come Monday, people all around the world, will be working their socks off, will start a long week of toiling to achieve something. And that something is happiness. But they are going to be doing all the wrong things for that purpose. Would it not be better if they knew what they had to do? Would it not be better if they did something that was actually constructive, Productive, useful. Would it not be good if you could live the rest of your life in a productive manner? Spend the remainder of your time alive on this earth in a way that actually helps you achieve something useful. Because unfortunately the same cannot be said for virtually all of the things that we have been doing throughout our lives, up until this point. If everything we've done, we've done in the name of happiness. Really, when you look under the hood, what's happened is we have allowed ourselves to vex about various things. We have allowed what other people have said to indoctrinate our minds and based on a false notion attached ourselves to various things and those attachments have led our minds to get into a state of vexation and then the very things that we began to vex about once we achieved them that resulted in relief from vexation and that is what we experienced as pleasure and then falsely we thought that was the happiness that we have been seeking throughout our lives. But this pleasure, which is what we actually experienced rather than true happiness, blinded us. It blinded us so much that once we experienced it once, then we fell for it. It was like drugs. Once you had it, you needed it. And look at how far you have come. As I said, think about throughout the world what's going to happen tomorrow. If tomorrow is a Monday, then people all over the world will be doing all will be getting up to all sorts of things in the name of happiness. And then again come the weekend. Think about what people get up to. They go sightseeing, they'll cook something within air quotes, nice. They'll arrange a party. I'm not saying any of these things are bad or evil or that they should stop immediately. Not at all. Because that is not again what Buddhism is for. It is simply to realize. It is simply to ask ourselves, to achieve what? Have we been doing these things? And did they really give us what we... Sought from them. Think about it, folks. Think about your lives. As I said, your life is the best lab that you could have asked for. And in this lab of life, you have to test these ideas so that they may either be proven false or true. Think about all the things that you got up to. As a child, think about all the things you got up to, whether it was play, parties, Entertainment, the things that you learn to admire, the things you learn to experience and enjoy music, games, video games, films, going out with friends and having a nice time, or at least we thought that was what we were doing. But you see, Then you moved on to become a teenager and then more of the same. Just different stuff, different variety, but all of the same in one way. And then moved on to become an adult. And we just went on doing things that our adults, our seniors, people who have gone on this path before us taught us was what we had to do to achieve happiness. So it was a case of the blind leading the blind and one after the other we went, we marched single file through, our, through life when there was a better alternative when there was something far better when true happiness was within our reach but alas There was no one to show that to us. Without a teacher, we were blind. Without someone who had seen the truth and someone to show us the truth, we were blind. So we marched one after the other and we continued up up until where we are today. But what matters is not how you have lived life thus far. What matters is how you move from this point forwards. Because no matter where you are, once you decide to set the sail, from here on, you can get to a better, a different destination than the one you headed all this time. So this is about getting your bearings right. This is about recalibrating your life. As simple as these talks might be, the intended effect is a large one. It's a huge one. I intend for you to be able to live fuller lives, better lives, happier lives, more fulfilling lives, more satisfying lives, more useful and more productive lives. Because what a pity it would be to have gone through life with all its ups and downs, with all its challenges, with all its adversities, if, at the end of it, when all is said and done, we have achieved nothing? And why do I say nothing? Because I know, when I say these words out loud, this may not sit comfortably with some of you, perhaps even most of you. Because if there's one thing that we don't like, if there's one thing that we find most unsettling, That is the feeling that what we have done with good intention, what we have done with conviction up until now has been a waste of time. But unfortunately, as I realized it myself at one point, this is a realization that you will all have to come to at some point. It does not mean that it's all doom and gloom or that we need to cry and weep and lament over it, it does not mean that we have to now mourn about it. Because it's never too little too late. If it's the truth, then it matters not when we realize it. If something's the truth, then even if it's the last thing that we realize, the last moment before we close our eyes for the last time. That's still worth it. Because I said, I share this with you because I appreciate that some of our listeners may have lived a large part of their lives by now. Perhaps you're in your late 50s, maybe 60s, 70s, 80s and so on. And perhaps you're thinking to yourself, my, what did I sign up for? Maybe I shouldn't have heard this because all this time I lived happily and now I'm beginning to realize that actually my life has been worthless. Perhaps I shouldn't have tuned in. Ignorance is bliss. Some of you might have thought to yourselves by now. I'm trying to convince you that that is not the case. Because whenever you realize this, from that point forward, you can begin to live a fulfilling life. A life that is truly one that gives you happiness. Because if you are alive and you can hear me, remember the worst is yet to come. Isn't it? Because as I said, some of you may be 55, 65, 75, 85, 95, or maybe it's your last five. Whichever five it is, the worst is yet to come. And that inevitable fate awaits all of us. And when that day comes, folks, a deep sense of suffering will overcome all of us if we are not prepared for it. You see, in our lifetime we can do whatever we want, whatever we can attempt to, to try and keep suffering at bay. But there comes a point, doesn't it? When there is nothing you can do to run or hide the ultimate fate that awaits all of us. And if we are not ready to face it, if we have not understood that pleasure does not exist in the objects that surround us, in the people that surround us, in the activities that we have done thus far in our lives, then when the day comes where, where we have to say goodbye to all of them, that will leave within our minds, within our souls, a deep sense of vexation from which you will have no escape. And I don't want that for any of you. I want for all of you, from this point forward, to be able to live a happy life, a fulfilling life, a life where external factors cannot take away your happiness, cannot falter your sense of satisfaction, your composure, cannot derail you from a fulfilling life. I want that for all of you, because when poverty comes, you can go ask for help. When ill health comes, you can go ask for help. If you are hungry, you can go ask for help. If you are thirsty, you can go ask for help. If you need shelter, again you can go and ask for help. But when the ultimate fate comes, who can you ask for help? Because none have escaped this ultimate fate? When there is no one among us who has escaped this ultimate fate, how can they help someone else escape it? And when that day comes, you know you're going to have to say goodbye to everything around you. That is why people fear it so much. What if you could face it fearlessly? Is it not important that we prepare ourselves for that it is not is it not prudent when we know that it's inevitable that we face that we prepare ourselves for it and what is the preparation that we need to do you know you can't run you know you can't hide you can only prolong it you can keep pushing it back but there is no escape from it Modern science and medicine will help you push it back. There's only so long you can do it. But at some point you're going to have to face it. You're going to have to embrace it. Whether you like it or not. I want you to be able to face it. Fearlessly. I want you to be able to face it. Without as much as a tear. And the only way to achieve that, the only way to achieve that is to realize that pleasure does not exist in the things that you are about to leave behind. Think about it. Why is death considered to be something that people fear so much? Why is it that people don't like talking about it? Why is it that it's a very sour topic? Why is it not a good topic for the dinner table? People celebrate life. People celebrate birth. But they don't even want to talk about death. When you know so well that birth is simply the beginning of the path that leads one to the inevitable death. So we throw a party. We invite friends around. We gather our families to celebrate birth. The birth of a new one. But we just don't like to talk about what's in store for them. A few score years down the line. This day may be near for some of you. May be nearer for others. That's the only difference between us. The only reason that people don't like talking about it is because it stirs a feeling of fear and vexation. Just think about it for a moment. Can you imagine leaving behind all the things that you have so learned to love? All the people who've always been around you Can you imagine the day that you're going to take your dog out for a walk for the last time or that you're going to play with your cat for the last time or that you're going to hold your child's hand for the last time or that you're going to give your spouse a hug for the last time or maybe go out to a restaurant, have a meal together sing a song or have a dance for the last time? Do you even want to imagine that? Why is it when someone talks about it? People find it a very distasteful topic. It's because people still believe that it's all those things that have brought them pleasure. So the inevitable is about to come. It's only a matter of time. It's only a when, not an if. People prepare themselves so much for things which have less than 100% probability of happening. So people take out insurance. Sometimes, really most times, they never use their insurance plan. But... People don't prepare themselves for the inevitable. There's a chance that it might rain and you take an umbrella with you. But how many times have you taken an umbrella, but it didn't rain? Even when there's a probability, just the slightest probability that something might happen, you take precaution, precautionary measures. You take a bottle with you, a bottle of water because you feel you might need it. But there may have been plenty of occasions where you go prepared, but you never needed it. But you don't want to take your chances, right? You take a torch with you, in case it falls dark. But there may have been plenty of occasions, you didn't need it. You take a phone with you, in case you want to contact someone, in case of an emergency. I think about all the times you've prepared yourselves for things which have only had a probability of less than 100% of materializing. And yet you went prepared. Even crossing the street, you look either side several times before you do that. People plan their pensions. People plan an extra saving spot. A nest egg for them, in case something happens. People have come up with backup plans, fallback plans and so on. They always have a plan B for all sorts of things. But I'm asking you, what is your plan for the inevitable? All of the above are things which may happen, but they may not happen. For those things, people have plans. Safety first. You've seen this, you've heard this. At a construction site, people wear helmets. They wear gloves, shoes, and all sorts of other safety gear. Why? Just in case. Just in case something might happen. See, the probability there of something happening is always less than 100%. But people take precaution. But what about the thing, the one thing, if you are born into this world, there's just, there's just one thing that has a 100% probability. It is a definite. And that definite is the ultimate fate. That is death. What preparation have you done to face that? And the suffering that awaits when that happens goes beyond any other that you have experienced in your life thus far. And why is that? Because all other occurrences in your life, whenever they brought you suffering, was limited to one thing or two. So you lost something, you didn't lose it all. You had to depart from someone. Not all of them. You had to say goodbye to your loved ones. But still, it wasn't to all of them. When you lost an old friend, you made a new one. If you ever migrated in your life, and you left behind your extended family, and maybe even your immediate family, when you went over to wherever you migrated to, there you made new friends. And sometimes friends went on to become your new family. If your pet dog died, perhaps a month or two later, once you were done mourning, you got yourself a new pet dog. Life moves on. The things you've lost thus far, you have very easily replaced. At least most of it. And usually there was always something to cover up. Something to restore your peace of mind when you lost it. But, you see, there is a day that comes in all our lives when you have to say goodbye to not just one thing or a couple of things or a bunch of things, not just to one person or a few people or just to your family or your friends. There comes a day in your life where you have to say goodbye to the lot, to everything and to everyone. What preparation have you done for that? How much in your saving spot will help you then? How many houses to your name? How much land to your name? How many cars or even yachts to your name will save you on that day? How many friends can save you? Is it a small family or a large family that can save you from the state of despair that you will fall into on that day and when that day comes? Because it's not an if that day comes. You know that, right? It's a when that day comes. For as long as you believe that the things you are leaving behind are the sources of pleasure, are the things that made you happy all your life, There is nothing that can be done to stop you from feeling a deep sense of frustration, despair. You'll be distraught. The pain will crush you. The feeling of loss will be so severe, it will virtually kill you. I'm preparing you for the worst time of your life. See, some of you have chosen to listen to this talk today, to watch it on YouTube, to listen to it on a podcast, wherever. But there may be others today who have chosen to spend their time not listening to this talk but rather go and be with their friends, maybe go for a walk, maybe go to the beach, Maybe go to a restaurant. Have a stroll on the streets. Maybe go watch a movie. Maybe go to a concert. Think about what they're missing out on. I'm not saying I'm your savior, because I'm not. The principles that I share with you, the ideas that I share with you, This is your saviour. The dhamma is your saviour. Because it is in understanding these ideas that you will be able to protect yourselves, save yourselves, when the ultimate fate comes your way. So therefore, if you love your family, well, of course you love your family, as you love your family, As you care about your friends, and because you care about your colleagues, tell me, would you not want to help them prepare themselves for the day when the lights go out? For good? Do you not want to help your mother, your father, if they are still among the living? Do you not want to help your spouse, your husband or your wife? What about your children? I feel any good parent should prepare, I believe any good parent should prepare their children to be able to say goodbye to their parents. Because it's not a case of if, it's a case of when. A mother and a father, a loving mother and father, should discuss this with their children. Ask their children, Son, are you prepared for the day when you have to say goodbye to me? I'm saying these are not conversations that should be avoided at all cost. These are conversations that should be had at any cost. Because whether you like it or not, they're going to have to face these situations. You can choose to ignore it, but you can't run away from it. My parents didn't know how to prepare me for that day. I remember to this day, the way I convinced my beloved mother to let me go forth. Because I asked her this one question. I asked her, dear mother, You love me so much, don't you? You wouldn't want for me to be unhappy. You wouldn't want to see me in tears any day, would you? All your life you have strived to give me every happiness that you could afford, haven't you? You've spared no expense. To look after me, take care of me, and to give me the best things that life could afford. Haven't you? Well then, Mother, prepare me, will you? Please, I ask you. Please, I plead to you. Prepare me, Mother, for the day when you are going to leave me. Lest that day should come before I leave you. Because either way... We are both going to have to say goodbye to each other. Whether she goes first or I go first matters not. In the end, the result is the same. The person who lives on has to live with it for longer. That's the only difference. Right? But the day is inevitable. And so I asked my mother, Mother, please prepare me for when I have to say goodbye to you for the last time assure me that I will not be in tears because I know you love me and you say you wouldn't want you don't want to see me in tears you say that you would do anything and everything in your power to keep a smile on my face because you love me so mother tell me tell me please what do I need to do to keep this smile on my face when the day comes that I have to say goodbye to you. To which she was speechless. My mother had nothing to say to that. Because it dawned upon her that not all the riches in the world, not every penny in her bank account, not all the wealth and money and everything else that she could adorn me with, Not all the property in the world she could shower me with. Not all the love that she could throw at me could stop me from breaking down when the inevitable comes. So she didn't know what the answer to that problem was. She didn't know how she could protect me from that. So I went and asked my father, dear father, I have just realized that one day, you and I have to part. And when that day comes, I don't believe that all the things that you have earned and provided me with. I don't believe that all the education that you have given me, you have afforded me. I don't believe that all the property That you have handed down to me. None of the inheritance that I have received from either of you will save me from breaking down into tears. Because I feel that experience will shatter me. So, my dear father, please save me. Help me. What is it that I must do? What is it that a loving son must do to prepare himself for the inevitable, for when he has to say goodbye? To his loving parents, my father was speechless. He had no answer. And that's when I said to them, Dear mother, dear father, if you don't have an answer to that problem, then I must go find one. Because I know, as you love me so much, you would hate for me to be in tears. When that day comes. And the other way around as well. I know. The two of you will have to bid farewell to each other. If it must be that I must say goodbye to you before you do to me, then this day will dawn upon you. So I want to help you as much as I want to help myself prepare for that day. Therefore, Let me go find an answer to this problem, this problem that has cursed our lives, this problem that has cursed all living beings who care and love each other. And that took me on this journey. I know, ladies and gentlemen, that this day will come to you as well, not just once maybe, but several times over, especially if you have a loving family, of two, three, four, five, and so on? How many times do you want to go through that mortifying experience? The only remedy to this problem I propose to you is to realize that there is nothing in the outside world, objects, people, events, or anything for that matter, that can bring you happiness. Your happiness is not dependent on all these other things that are on the outside. It is because you feel that your happiness lay with your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your husband or your wife or your children, your pet dog, that when they have to say goodbye, it breaks you down. It breaks you into pieces. So, the day you realize that happiness is not something that comes to me or has come to me from the outside world, then you stop hanging your happiness on the hook that is the outside world. I want that day to come to you as soon as possible, this realization. Because it is only with this realization, folks, that you can prepare yourselves for the inevitable. So you see, even if you don't believe in any of the other things like nirvana or a state of ultimate happiness and so on that Buddhist philosophy can bring you, you know so well and undeniably, that there is an ultimate fate that awaits all of you, from which none of you can run and hide. If for nothing else, I urge you to come to this realization because this is the only remedy that can save you when that day comes. And this is why I ask you To share this message with those who you care about. Your friends and your families. Because it's important that we help them before the event. There's no point talking about it after. That is your duty. That is your responsibility. If you care about the people who care about you. And this is exactly what I'm doing right now. I'm sharing this message with you, so I can help you while I still can. As we move forward in our talks, I want you to have this motive in the back of your minds. If not, if nothing else, that is why the study of Buddhist philosophy is not simply something that is a nice to do, or a fun to do, or an academic activity, because We do this knowing that there is an ultimate event for which we must all prepare. And in life, we have taken all sorts of precautions to avoid any type of suffering which may or may not come to us without a definite probability. But there is little that we do to prepare ourselves for an event that comes with absolute certainty. So let's start preparing for that. I promise you, I will help you if you're prepared to take my help. I'm not your savior. It is the message that I share with you. If you understand it, if you grasp it, if you embrace it, if you practice it, and if you live it, that is going to be your savior. At the end of the day, You are your own saviour. I will leave you with that for this week. I want you to think about this. I want you to give some serious thought about it. Because for some of you, this day may be a few years from now. For others, it may be a few months, a few weeks, a few days. It may be tomorrow. I'm not trying to induce unnecessary fear in anyone's mind. But, tell me I'm wrong, if you can. We are living in the midst of a pandemic. Who would have thought so many people would die unexpectedly? This is just one among so many different things that come in various guises to take away something so precious to all of us. So I'll help you with that, if you are prepared to take my help. Before we conclude, let us take a moment to transfer the merits, to say thank you to all those who helped us. Bring this message all these years, from two and a half thousand years ago to this day, so that it is so prevalent among us and has made means available to share it with all of us. Let us take a moment to transfer the merits and conclude today's talk. Let us take a moment then to the transfer the merits we have all acquired by making offerings to the infinite virtues of the Noble Triple Gem, chanting Pirit, listening to the Dhamma and engaging in various meritorious deeds, let us first and foremost remind ourselves how incredibly fortunate we are to be in receipt of the Lord Buddha's teaching and with immense gratitude transfer these merits to the Bhikkhus and Bhikkhunis, upasakas and Upasikas, who since time immemorial have protected and preserved the sublime teachings of the Lord Buddha, and passed it down through the generations of the noble lineage, in the form of the Tripitaka, which is available today to us to study, understand and comprehend the Dhamma. Let us also transfer the merits we have acquired to all members of the Mahasanga present throughout the world, including the chief prelates of all of the chapters, who have dedicated their lives to the noble path and have committed themselves towards the betterment of all sentient beings. Let us not forget that among them are the monks and nuns resident in your local temples and nunneries, who have always been by your side through thick and thin, come rain or shine. Let us also transfer these merits to our teachers and all other monks resident at this monastery, as well as the Anagarikas and Anagarikas attached to the monastery. Let us take a moment to transfer these merits and express our gratitude to those who make great efforts to disseminate the teachings of the Buddha, be that by transliterating these sermons, sharing them out with others or inviting others to join them, and may to the power of these merits if any of them have been born in the Plain. Redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain, and made to the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu sadhu Sad. Let us also transfer merits we have acquired to our devotees and friends of the monastery, who for the sake of merits continue to sustain the Mahasangha. This includes everyone from those of you who have contributed to the construction of the monastery, to those of you who provide the sangha with shelter, arms, robes, and medicines, as well as those who have passed on their know how and continue to extend their well wishes, and made through the power of these merits, they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, full for the meritorious deeds, full for the noble late fall path, and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Let so, so, so. us also take a moment to transfer merits to our mothers, fathers, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, grandparents, uncles, aunts, aunts cousins, nephews, and nieces. Our elders, friends and acquaintances, employees and employees, and to all those who helped us, supported us, assisted us in every way and shape or form they could. By the power of these merits may they be healed of any physical and mental ailments and overcome any obstacles to their spiritual progress. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbani. Sal, sal, sal. Let us also take a moment to transmit to the devas and brahmans, spirits and demons, and primarily the Sakadeva, as well as all the numerous gods and deities who are committed to protect them and fulfil the Sambhutasasana. Let us also transfer to our guardian deities who keep a watchful eye over us and keep us out of harm's way. And may, through the power of these manys they prosper in divine power and wisdom. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfil the meritorious deeds, fulfil the noble laid path, and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us also transmit us to the our ancestors who have predeceased us, to all who have been our friends and families and acquaintances in this infinitely long journey in Sansara, and those who have helped us and supported us and assisted us in every way they could. There is also merits to the members of the armed forces as well as the police force who have sacrificed their lives and continue to protect the peace and harmony of our nation, and may all who have lost their lives in the war be their friend or foe, rejoice in the merits that we have acquired today. There is also merits to all those who have lost their lives in natural calamities, such as the tsunamis and earthquakes, landslides and pandemics, including the most recent and prevailing one, reminding ourselves and among them will be those who have been friends and family to us in this long journey in samsara. Let us take a moment to transfer these merits to them, and may to the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plains, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble faithful path, and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Finally, let us resolve that may, to the power and blessings of all the merits we have acquired throughout the day, we we'll be able to witness the advent of many hundreds of thousands of Arahants on this blessed land. And finally, may to the power of all the merits we have acquired today, you and I, and everyone who has helped make this program a success, become one of those Arahatan Vahanses, or an Arahat Mehni in this life itself, and in the era of the Gautama Buddha itself. And on that note, we will conclude today's talk, and the blessings of the Noble Triple Gen. Be with you all.